0: Um, I want to first <clears throat> admit to you I spent more time on my remarks for this morning than the actual message for this morning. And in truth right now, I don't even know how I'm going to preach. (laughs) I don't even remember the last time I cried. (laughs) (laughs) What you don't know is... (laughs) That everything that you see before you is an intentional effort by this man <laughs> to make me cry. <laughs> <sighs> um, will you just bear with me for a moment? I need a, I need a minute. I praise God for the opportunity to be serving in ministry. (laughs) It's a privilege and an honor. And if I could reflect for a few moments. (laughs) This is crazy. (laughs) I remember at Oakwood University. <laughs> Jeez. <Woo. sighs> Sitting in my room. <laughs> and I was always the most quiet guy. <laughs> And I remember that the majority of my friends were flying all across the world, preaching and teaching everywhere. And I was just John Coaxum from South Carolina. (laughs) But while they were flying and playing and having fun, I was in my room studying the word of God. I remember so many times <sighs> making the tough decision, <laughs> thank you, my brother, <laughs> 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 to stay there in my room and just study <laughs> and pray. You won't believe me, but I remember being prostrate on the floor before God. I took ministry so seriously then. I was afraid to mess up what God had for me. When I was at Oakwood, (laughs) me and God were like this. I remember walking across the campus so many times and talking to God out loud, just like I'm talking to you right now. And I remember also, (laughs) it was coming down to the end of my time there, I was getting ready to graduate. I believe it was my last semester or uh, semester next to my last semester, and uh, I had not received a call yet. And for those of you who don't understand, coming from Oakwood, it's kind of like the NFL draft. (laughs) They choose the best candidates, and whoever you are, they they give you a call. And I remember I was so eager to be in ministry. I love God so much. You don't even know. We, we we say that text all the time, like fire shut up in my bones. I wanted to preach so bad. And I said, God, listen, you sent me to Oakwood. If you don't get me a job, I quit. You called me here. Now you are responsible for my life. So I remember went home, <clears throat> filled out all my, uh, just got my resumes together and sent them everywhere. I kid you not, I sent a resume to Alaska even. I'm not joking. You can ask my father, you can ask my parents. I remember just a stack of 50 resumes, man. I put together, and I sent them out all over the United States. I said, God, I don't care where you send me right now. I just want to preach. <laughs> time went on and went on and went on. I remember it was time for me to go home for Christmas break. I was home in my bed. And my phone rang. And on the other end of the phone, it was president at that time, Frederick Russell. Yeah. Yeah. He said, John, Coxham. I said, yes, sir. <laughs> when you get back to Oakwood next semester, I want you to set up an interview with a few of your teachers. and Then I want you to report back to me. I said, okay. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> Went back to school that semester. <laughs> You don't mind me telling the story, right? And I remember I set up an interview with Jesse Wilson, met with him, talked with him, asked me some regular questions, set up an interview with Pastor Rupert Bushner. Many of you know him from this conference. And I uh, didn't think anything of it. I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> I got so many towels and tissues up here. It's funny. Uh. And as the semester went on, I didn't think anything of it. Just praying like, God, just, yo, let me preach. That's all I want to do. Whew. And I remember sitting in class, and Pastor James Doggett came to my class window and looked through the glass and simply gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> I had no idea what it meant. And when I came out of class, he looked at me and said, son, you are natural Born preacher. <laughs> I remember going home for something else as well. I don't know why I was home again, but I was home in South Carolina. My phone rang again. President Russell called me and said, John, coax him. I said, yes, sir. I was kind of groggy. He was like, wake up, son. This is going to be the best day of your life. <laughs> he said, son, I want to officially extend you an invitation to pastor in the Allegheny West Conference. I want to send you to Andrews University and pay for your Master's of Divinity degree. Then I want to position you in a church thereafter to pastor in the Allegheny West Conference. And at that time, I didn't know really what that man or where I would be. (laughs) And I remember having lunch with him one day. I'd never met him before, but he hired me. I don't know why he did it, but he did it. God was definitely in it. And I remember him looking at me one day when we were having lunch. He came down to Oakwood, and he said, son, man, I just want to let you know you are my first hire as president. Now, son, (laughs) I can mess up on the second or the third. But I can't mess up on the first. That stuck with me forever. It's like I was walking on pins and needles. Then I went to Andrews University. Funny enough, Myra, you don't even know this, but Pastor Nathaniel Lyles, who was the previous associate pastor before me, he came down here to this church one day when we were at seminary. And he just randomly asked, him, Cokes, hey, Cokes, you want to go down to Glenville? I was like, Glenville, who's, what, what is that? You know, what church is it? I don't know anything about it, but okay, I'll go. And I got in the car, and got with him, saw Myron. I saw, Sinead, actually, I sat right behind you. You never knew it. You never knew it. I sat right behind you. Didn't know much about you. I had heard your name before. And little did I know um, <laughs> that in just a few short uh, months, I would be serving here as pastor. You gotta bear with me. I can't. <clears throat> I praise God. And why the reason I am I'm at peace is because I did not backbite or try to influence my way into a job. I'm not gonna say this out of arrogance, but I feel I need to say it now. While all of the other theology majors, (laughs) when the pastors would come down for evangelism council were getting their business cards together and putting on their nice suits and getting their words together to impress all the preachers, I told God, I said, God, I will not do that. You have called me. I remember hearing God's voice you don't believe that before I even went to Oakwood driving in my car by myself in South Carolina I said God I love you open the door for me and I heard his voice audibly the door is already open (laughs) me being here is a testimony of the faithfulness of God you don't even understand what I'm saying (laughs) if you only knew My father is not a pastor. (laughs) Nobody to speak on my behalf. The only thing I had was God. And he's been so faithful. being here for two and a half years have been the best experiences of my life. I want to tell you half of you won't believe what I'm going to say next because you're just going to think it's preacher's talk. The other half of you are not going to receive it because you think I'm too young. But the word of God tells us We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And what I'm telling you right now is that in this short time being a pastor, I have seen the devil. I'm not perfect. But I prayed so many days. Keep me. Don't let me fall. Please, God, help me to be what I preach. And I made so many mistakes, and you can't judge me because we all do. But I have seen the devil try to take me out. I'm not joking. (laughs) I have heard his voice. (sighs) I can look back to a few days and know that it was not some human being who was trying to get me (sighs) to sin. But it was the devil himself just praise the name of the Lord today. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. To the pastor of this church, Pastor Myron Evans, I consider you one of my best friends. heard your name many times at Andrews, didn't know you from Adam though, (laughs) didn't know much about you. When I got here and to this church, Glenville, I realized how many other brothers in my field would kill to be here. I want to let you know I did not take our friendship for granted. I want to let all of you know I did not take you for granted. I know I'm a little on the quiet side. I don't like to show emotion. Clearly, I'm doing it now. (laughs) But I love each and every one of you. Myron, you have influenced me in so many ways. (laughs) And I'll tell you what I told myself when I came here. I do not want, that's what I'm telling myself. I came, I said, I do not want Pastor Edmonds to have somebody by his side that he has to lag around. I don't want him to have somebody next to him that he cannot trust. (laughs) And I just ask God so many days, equip me, God. (sighs) Help me to be capable to do whatever He asks. I didn't want you to have to regret me being here at any time. My father used to tell me the man of God should have no shortcomings, (laughs) he should have no faults. And I took that to heart. I did not want to mess up your ministry. And just as Freddie told me I was his first hire, you said, John, (laughs) you're my first associate pastor. (laughs) I'm so excited for you being here. I want to thank you, man, for treating me like an equal. (laughs) You know what the funny thing is? (laughs) This is God's honest truth. I really expected to be picking up your dry cleaning. To be washing your car from time to time, picking up and babysitting your kids, man. <laughs> but you never did that. You always treated me as an equal, and I want to say publicly what I say privately to myself, and what I could never say to you because I'm a man's man, you know. I can't do that. I can't show emotion. <sighs> but I love you, man. With all my heart. You should know by now I would do anything for you. Anything within my power. Because you are my friend. And I believe that you have a heart for God. And I don't admire people lightly. I want you to know that. (laughs) I save my admiration for people who truly deserve it. I don't big up people just because the world does. And I never wanted you to think that I was a yes man too. Like everybody else, everybody's my, it's my, no. I wanted you to know that I love you for you. Forget your preaching. (laughs) There's nothing. Forget the fact that you baptize people and you preach everywhere, man. I just love you because you're my friend. And I know that you love God. I'm sorry I had to. I had to, man. (sighs) How am I going to preach today? (laughs) And I'm not crying because I'm so much afraid of leaving. I have peace in my heart because I have always just thrown up my hands and let God decide. I never schemed my way into anything. Brothers and sisters, please don't do that in your life. Don't try to work your way into anything. Let God do it. And if God doesn't, you know you're in the right place. God could have sent me to the Sahara Desert. And I would have been at Peace. If I know that I'm in the will of God, I'll be all right. (laughs) Myra, you said the other day, man, that uh, you knew I was ready when you heard me preach the other day at the preach out at Southeast. Well, I'll tell you how I knew I was ready. My young people, I love you very much. But the truth is, every time I preach, I, I'm, I'm usually talking to myself. <laughs> I know the majority of you are going to go to sleep either way. <laughs> so what I do is I try to find a text in the Bible, a story or illustration that speaks to me and my life. And while I'm up here, I just have a conversation with myself. I'm preaching to me. I don't really expect people to be paying attention, but... The other day, I was in the office after I had finished preaching. Myron, I don't think you were here. And I remember Marna came into the office, and she had come in late, and she had asked me what I preached about that day. And I tried to tell her. And I remember little Osai Maddox came in, and as I was trying to tell her what I was preaching about, (laughs) little Osai finished my statement. And he said, Pastor Coaxum, I heard every word you said, and I liked it. (laughs) It just meant the world to me that somebody's hearing what God is saying to me. Ah, man. All right, well. I love all of you. I will miss all of you. Every last one of you. I pray that we'll keep in touch. I pray you won't forget about me. Any success that I have in my life, it is credited to you as well. Oh, and let me say this. I'm sorry. You hear me talk about my dad in every sermon. My parents aren't here today, only because I kind of talked them out of it. It's <laughs> actually uh, next week I'll be at their camp meeting preaching there, and so I'll get to see my parents. And they're definitely going to come to Danville when I'm in, when I'm installed. But Daddy, <laughs> either you're watching right now. <laughs> Oh, you're going to see this tape later. Everything that I have done is to make you proud. The approval of others doesn't get me that much. But my father's approval... He is my best friend in this world. I would die for my father. This just want to say, Daddy, I love you. Mama, I love you. <laughs> Tony and Stefan and Aunt Cheryl, I love you. All of my nieces, I love you. And I thank you for supporting me. I had to get that out. You understand. <laughs> well, It's my duty to preach today. and uh, Brothers and sisters, I'm going to be real. I don't know how I'm going to get through this message today. <laughs> but I'm going to try my best. And I'm going to take out all the sugar coating and everything like that. And just get to the root of it. And sit down and enjoy this day. Is that all right? Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. And verse... 18. Myron said, preach whatever you want, man. (laughs) When I first came here January 21st, 2012, my very first message to you was on John the Baptist. Today I want to come full circle. And I want to end with John the Baptist as well. My dad told me when I was very young that I was named after him. (laughs) Uh, And I've been trying ever since to live up to his high standard. Luke chapter 7 verse 18. The word of God says this. John's disciples told him about all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect somebody else? When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect somebody else? Then the word says, at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. And so he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame, they walk. Those who have leprosy have been cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Father in heaven, for the last time in this capacity... I seek your face and ask for a double portion of your spirit. I am asking God that you use me in the next few moments. You have never let me down before. Do not fail me now. Father, I have not been faithful to you. But I say publicly, you have always been faithful to me. I have not been perfectly righteous, but you have always been perfect to me. I have not always upheld the standard, but you are the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. I'm asking you today, O God, for the next few minutes and few moments to speak to your people, to give them a word to get through the next few hours of their lives. Let alone the next few days, weeks, months, and years that they live. I'm praying, oh God, that you bless somebody under the sound of my voice. In Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Jesus and John. (laughs) Jesus and John. When I first came here, I told you that most people believe that Paul was the greatest preacher to ever live. John the Baptist, (laughs) Jesus said of him that he was the greatest man ever born of a woman. You didn't even hear what I just said. Jesus said of John the Baptist, of men born of women, there is none greater than him. Jesus did not say that John the Baptist was the greatest Jew to ever live. No, that's only a small subsection of humanity. Jesus did not say that John the Baptist was the greatest preacher to ever live. No, John the Baptist, Jesus did not say that John the Baptist was amongst the greatest prophets that ever lived. Jesus said he is the greatest man ever. Be born of a woman. Then, a few chapters later, in John chapter 3 and verse 30, what we hear John saying and reciting, and what we read in the text, is simply that John proclaims to the people who were trying to get him to be jealous of Jesus because when Jesus came on the scene, Christ was baptizing, John said to them, He must increase but I must decrease. He must become greater but I must become less and what we learn for us today from this passage is simply this if any one of us under the sound of my voice ever desires to be great we must first find a way to increase God and decrease ourselves more often than not if we want our name in light so we want to be known for something or we want satisfaction or fulfillment in our lives god says his formula the only way to do that truly is for us to find ways to make god greater and to make ourselves lesser In everything we do, God asks us to give him all the glory. God asks us to think of ourselves less, not to hate ourselves, not to give up on ourselves, but to think of ourselves less than we think of God in every single avenue, every area, every aspect of our lives. God wants us to be focused on increasing him and decreasing ourselves the reason many of us find ourselves so grounded in life and so messed up and we cannot progress and we cannot get better is because the majority of the time we focus on ourselves more than we do on God God says if you make me greater you'll make your problem lesser If you increase me in your life, the issues of your life won't stand out so boldly in your life. If you increase me in your life, if you make me greater with your life, if you give me all the glory, if you praise me in spite of, you'll be able to make it through your issues. Problem is, many of us, we cannot make it through. Because every time we have an issue, we focus inwardly on ourselves. We always focus on how we are going to fix it, how we are going to make it through. What can I do? What resources do I have to make it better? God tells us his formula for progressing, getting better, and making it through is simply to uplift the name of God more than you uplift yourself. The word of God tells us, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. From the rising of the sun until the setting of the same. The name of the Lord is to be praised. David even says that praise waiteth for thee. (laughs) We ought to find new ways of praising God. Finding new ways of making ourselves lesser so that God can become greater. Why was John the Baptist great? Because he sought the will of God more than he sought himself. And I believe John the Baptist was quite possibly the greatest preacher that ever lived. We all know the story about John the Baptist. John the Baptist was such a great preacher that people in the crowd would be slain by the Spirit of God. As he spoke people would lift their hands in the air and surrender all to him and almost jump into the Jordan River to be baptized. Didn't have to drag them kicking and screaming, didn't have to do any major appeal. Every time John the Baptist preached, somebody got saved. But the interesting thing about John the Baptist is this, homeboy only preached one message his entire career every time people came into the church early on sabbath morning they did not have to look at the bulletin to see what he was preaching about nobody had to guess where he was going with that text and now where is he going with this john the baptist had one message and one message only repent and be baptized did not sugarcoat anything, did not work on his intros to ease the people into a smooth transition so that they could understand what he was preaching about. No clever illustrations, no stories whatsoever, no short short sugarcoating at all. John the Baptist preached the straight truth of the word of God. And when he preached it, people got saved. Now, in our church today, Nobody wants to hear hard truth. But the truth is, more often than not, you need to hear the hard truth of God's word. It's going to do you no good for me to stand in the pulpit week after week and just preach you happy and make you feel real good. Sometimes you need to be rebuked. Somebody say amen. Sometimes you need to be criticized. Sometimes you need to be condemned. Sometimes I need to be able to look you in your eye, point to you and tell you the direction that you are headed in is going to send you to hell. Sometimes that's the word that we need to hear from God. But we don't want to hear that. We want sugar-coated messages. We want messages that make us feel good so that we go home, we forget all about it. It does nothing for us in our lives. And more often than not, the messages that are filled with fire and brimstone do more for you than a prosperity message. I could preach a prosperity message today. I could tell you that in just three days, God's going to bless you real good. I could tell you, I could ask Willie, Willie, get up on this organ and put me in B flat right now and hoop right here and make you feel real good. But the truth of the matter is that's going to do nothing for your soul. There's a time and a place for somebody to preach you happy and make you feel good. But there is also a time for me to preach the straight, hard truth of God's word. I said it the first day I came here and I'll say it again. Reverend G.E. Patterson puts it this way. He says that there are some messages where nobody in the church should say amen. Nobody should shout. Nobody should stand up and applause because all of us are unrighteous. All of us are sinful. There are some messages that when they are preached, all it takes from you is to simply raise your hands, walk up to the baptismal pool and get baptized. John preached that type of message every single week, every Sabbath. Nobody had to guess what he was going to preach. Repent. And be baptized for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Of course, his lifestyle was a little bit questionable. Homeboy lived out in the wilderness all by himself. The only thing he ate was wild locusts and honey. (laughs) All he wore on his body was camel's fur and a leather girdle. John the Baptist was weird at best. But he loved God so much and was so aware of his calling and took it so seriously that every time he preached, he preached as if it was his last time on earth. And John said one day after his own disciples came to him and said, John, there is a young man by the name of Jesus that is traveling around Galilee. He's baptizing people. What are we going to do about this, John? He's stealing all of your members, John. He's baptizing everybody soon. You won't have anybody to baptize. What are you going to do about it? And John looked them in the eye and said to them, I already told you once, I am not the Messiah. I am simply the voice Of one calling out in the wilderness, make straight the ways of the Lord. He must increase, but I must decrease. At that time, John was preaching the word of God so well that the majority of the people believed that he was the Messiah. And if he said he was Christ, they would have lifted him on their shoulders and made him king. But John said, that's not my role. That's not my purpose. That's not my calling. It's all about God. Don't look at me. He must become greater. And I must become lesser. It's not about me. It's all about God. I think today really truly bad (laughs) part of the reason that we are so straddled with problems and issues that we cannot make it out of and while we are so depressed and bummed out and while we are so grounded in life is because we make ourselves the center of the universe The, the, the truth is in the movie of your life you really don't have the leading role me say that one more time in the movie which is your life which is ongoing right now you really don't have the leading role you are actually an extra in the movie nobody remembers the extra (laughs) you're just in the background to take up space for a little while and the word of God says the grass withers and the flower fades and our life is just but a mist. but the word of the Lord lasts forever you don't have the leading role and the reason you don't have the leading role is because you don't know the script only God knows the script of your life So, how can you be in charge of anything and you don't even know what's going to happen next? Mm. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows how this thing is going to pan out. It's so funny. I love movies. I'll you know, tell you the truth, I'm in the movies like every weekend. I'm telling you honest to God truth, man. I love Netflix. I love I love movies. I love it, I love it. And oftentimes what happens is because I love movies so much and I spend so much time watching movies that, that when I get around my friends and we're watching a movie, the majority of the time, I've already seen it. Always happens that way. And so while they are in the theater or at my house watching the movie, at every turn when the plot thickens... And the climax gets high. Everybody's, oh, snap. What? Are you serious? How did that happen? What is going? Oh, my gosh. I can't believe that. And while they are acting crazy and foolish and all surprised by what is going on, I'm sitting there. Cool. Calm. And collected. Why? Because I already know how it's going to end up. And sometimes in our lives, we get all out of sorts because we cannot see the end from the beginning. And when a problem comes into our lives, we say, oh, snap, what happened there? How am I going to make it through? All the while, God is sitting on his throne watching everything pan out and the word of God says all of your days have already been ordained in his book before even one of them came to be if God is not worried you should not be worried but when you make yourself the center of the universe when you put yourself and you cast yourself in the starring and the leading role (laughs) now you got to bring this picture to a close The problem is, you don't have the acting skills. Neither do you have the resources or the charisma in order to do that. You cannot do that. The problem with us, the majority, oh God help me right now. Probably our biggest problem is this. We try to work things out on our own. That's why the word of God says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And he will exalt you in due time. But if you try to exalt yourself in your own power, now you got to find a way to keep yourself at the exalted position where you put yourself. And you don't have the ability to do that. That's why it's all the more better for you to allow God to exalt you in his time. Don't backbite don't scheme, don't try to guard your way in, let God bless you when he's good and ready let God bring you out when he's good and ready let God prosper you when he's good and ready (laughs) John the Baptist said it's all about God has nothing to do with me he must increase but I must decrease I don't know if there's anybody else in scripture who was more dutiful to the task or to the calling or to the purpose that God had for their lives. (laughs) John the Baptist is preaching the word of God. It has been revealed to him from Earth, that he would be the forerunner to set up the the atmosphere before christ comes so he's preaching and he's preaching and he's preaching he is a gifted orator he is extremely excellent and here's the thing the word of god tells us that your gifts will make room for you and your gifts will set you up so that you will stand before kings This actually came to pass in John's life because he was so eloquent and because he was so gifted, he actually did stand before a king, but it did not turn out so well for him. The word of God tells us that he stood up before Herod Antipas because he would not stop speaking against Herod because Herod was sleeping with his brother's wife. And John could have just as easily not said anything. John could have just as easily just flew over that and just preached the word of God. But because John saw that what he was doing, this king, was wrong, he preached against it and Herod Antipas threw his butt in jail. Now hear me. The word of God says that after John has been preaching, 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 People are getting baptized. Everybody knows his name. He's the most famous figure in in Jerusalem during that time. The Bible says all of a sudden he finds himself in prison behind bars with nobody to post his bail. (laughs) Okay, now now, now look, look at what the word says. John's disciples told him about all of these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect somebody else? What? No, whoa, whoa, whoa. There's something wrong with this text, brothers and sisters. This is John the Baptist. If anybody knows Jesus, John does. Just a few short days ago, he baptized Jesus in the Jordan River and the word of god says while he's baptizing him the heavens open and the spirit of god descends on him like a dove and everybody round about hears the voice of god saying this is my beloved son in him i am well pleased it is this is the same john who when he saw jesus said behold the lamb of god which taketh away the sin of the world but when he finds himself in prison now he's asking a very different question are you the one that we have waited for or should we look for another now the greatest preacher who has ever lived who only spoke about the goodness of Jesus Christ and his glory is now behind bars and his mouth is silent because now he's doubting whether Jesus is actually real. People came to him to learn about Jesus, but while he's in prison, he has no word for them. John the Baptist, who spent the majority of his time in the wilderness, in open space, in open air, is now confined and stuck in a cell behind bars in prison. And because of the predicament that he is in, he finds himself now doubting Jesus. (laughs) And as I read this story, I I began to, to, to think about me this week. And when I got the call that I was going to be moved, I said to myself, God, not now. We're building a place for grace. We've started Go University. We're tag team preaching, God. How can you take me out of the game? now i'm I'm, we're doing so much god great things are on the horizon god you cannot send me down there now and no offense to danville because wherever god sends me people are there and people deserve to be saved Amen? amen but i began to doubt and think to myself god why in the world would you do this now and god said to me son just as i read in this text if you can praise me in the palace you should be able to praise me in the prison as well. If you can praise me when times are good, you should be able to praise me when times are bad as well. The only way that you know your relationship is good and actually real with God is when you can praise him when stuff doesn't pan out the way you thought it would. When you find yourself in prison, and you got no resources to get yourself out of it. When you find yourself doubting God, it is in those moments when you find out if your Christianity is for real. Can you still worship God when your whole life is jacked up? Can you still worship God when you have no money in your bank account? Can you still worship God when you are catching hell from every direction in your life? Can you still worship God no matter what is happening in your life right now? John the Baptist, the greatest preacher, Jesus said he's the greatest man that ever lives. He's preaching the word of God. I would hardly suspect that when he finds himself behind bars, he's the one asking the question, are you the one? Or should we look for another and I think our problem is when we find ourselves in a situation we can only see the moment and that's really the biggest trick of the devil the biggest trick of the devil when we are going through stuff is to get us to take out our camera and take a Polaroid a snapshot of that moment and get us to compare all that God has done for us in the past to one moment in time where our expectations were not met Oh, y'all not with me right now. The devil wants you to forget about the fact that the word of God says that his mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. He wants you to forget about that and substitute that for the time when you lost your job. Oh, my God. Help me right now. Help me make this clear. The devil wants you to forget about how God has brought you out made you better, saved you, cleaned you up, put you in the church, made you righteous, and then he's going to save you. The devil wants you to forget about all of that and compare it to this small, minute point in time. And what we forget is that in the predicament of the prison circumstances that we are in we forget that when we have nothing god is always up to something so 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 john is in prison he's behind bars nobody has posted his bail he expected Jesus to come and visit him he expects that Jesus would save him after all he's John the Baptist he's preached the word of God so well he's the only one who's keeping the truth surely God should work stuff out for me surely God should bless me surely I should not have to go through this hell right now in my life surely God should bring me out but while he is in there and history tells us he was in there for about a year's time and never got a visit from Jesus never got a visit from him never got a phone call Jesus does not come by to console him or to make him feel better and after a while he is so down in the dumps that he takes two of his disciples and he says listen go find Jesus and ask him that have all the stuff that I've preached about is it all for naught? have I wasted my life so much that I've preached about you and told other people that you are God and that you are a Savior. But that's not really who you are. Are you the one? Or should we look for another? Well, the word says John does that. And, and I love the word of God. And I promise you, I'm almost done right here. <laughs> Verse 21 is powerful to me. John sends two of his disciples. Are you the one? who is to come or should we expect somebody else they find jesus wherever he is then the word of god says at that very time jesus cured many who had diseases sicknesses and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind y'all missed that completely i know you did so i'm gonna help you his disciples go they find Jesus somewhere, wherever he is. They tap him on the shoulder and they say, Jesus, uh, we, we have been sent on behalf of John the Baptist. You know him. He's the forerunner. He baptized you. Surely you remember your favorite preacher. Jesus, um, John would like us to ask you, are you the one? Are you really the Messiah? Or should we, you know, wait for another person? Or are you the right one? You know, just let us know. The word of God says that Jesus does not answer them right away. (laughs) Instead, the word says at that very time, Jesus turns around and begins to heal people. You You don't even get what I'm trying to say. He turns around and raises the dead. Jesus turns his back to them and causes the lame to walk. Jesus goes and finds a leper, brings him back to them, and cures him and cleanses him. Jesus does not waste his breath by responding to them immediately. Instead, the word of God says at that very moment, instead of him opening up his mouth and honoring their request, Jesus just begins to heal people. Then in verse 22, oh, I love Jesus so much. So he replied to the messengers, listen, bro. You go back to John and you report to him what you have seen and heard. Tell him the blind receive their sight. But not only that, tell him that the lame are walking. Tell him that lepers have been cleansed. Tell him that the dead are being raised back to life. Tell him that the good news is being proclaimed across land and sea. Tell him to come and see for himself. Oh, I am Jesus. I am the Messiah. He does not have to doubt me and my words wouldn't do him any good. Help tell him to believe me simply for the work's sake. So many of us right now in our lives. When we find ourselves in a prison predicament, far away from God, when we don't have an answer for the stuff that we are going through in our lives, the first thing we like to do is give up on God. You are allowed to be disappointed if your expectations are not met, but you are never allowed to be discouraged and give up on God. There is never a time in your life as a Christian where you are allowed to say, I wonder if God is really up there. There should never be a time in your life where you're questioning the existence of God. God may have not been good to you that day according to your estimation, but God is God. And he's still on the throne. And even when you don't think he's good, my Bible tells me that his mercy endureth forever. His truth to all generations. His loving kindness knows no bounds. God loves us at all times, even when things don't seem very good. And all you have to do in your life right now, help me, Holy Ghost, when you find yourself in prison, is to remind yourself of the stuff that God is doing and has already done. If you would go back into your journal and remind yourself like me jobless. And God gave you one carless. God blessed you anyhow you should be in jail but the charges were dropped you had no money but God provided for your needs you missed having a father in the home but your mother and your father became God all at the same time if you would simply go back into your life and remind yourself of what God is already doing you would not doubt him as severely as you are right now Jesus said, I'm not even going to honor that with a response. You tell him that the dead are being raised back to life. You tell him that the eyes of the blind are being opened. You tell him that the lame are walking. You tell him that lepers are being cleansed. Don't you give him any other response. You just tell him what I am already doing and what I can do. When you're going through, (laughs) oh, I know sometimes no sermon can make you feel better. I know sometimes just quoting a passage over and over again that you never really knew the meaning to in the first place probably won't do you any good. But if you just could remind yourself of what God has already done for you. Sister White tells us that we should have no fear for the future except we forget what God has already done in the past. Every last one of us, under the sound of my voice, we represent a different testimony. God says in His Word that we are His workmanship. That means one day God took you as a miry lump of clay, put you on the potter's wheel, and made you into what you are right now. Truth be told. You should never doubt God again. If the truth really be told, and everybody in this building knew what you used to be and what you are now, you don't have a right to question God. God has been too good to you. You never should have an opportunity to doubt him. You never should look up in the sky and fix your face to say, Are you the one? Or should we look for another? God has done so much for you in your life. The story cannot be told. Mm. God has blessed you exceedingly. Look at you now. You should not be here. (laughs) When I think about God and all he's done for me. My soul doth magnify the Lord. Oh, you may be too ashamed to admit it today. But brothers and sisters, I have heard the voice of the devil trying to take me out. And I don't credit any of my salvation to myself. The only reason I made it through was because of God. God. And I can never fix myself to say, I wonder if God is really up there. I wonder if God really loves me. The Word of God tells us, Paul tells us that he is persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not angels, not demons, not powers, not principalities. There is nothing in this world. That can separate us from the love of God. And mind you, the world wants us to ask that question. The world wants you to ask, is there another? But I believe today, Muhammad cannot do for me what God has already done. Buddha cannot do for me what Jesus has done for me there are times right now in your life you can look back in your memory bank when you simply could not even get the words out the only thing you said was Jesus and God came to your rescue I cannot, I cannot, I cannot there have been near death experiences in your life where you didn't even have the words to say all you knew was how to call out on Jesus because your parents did it and God saved you you don't have the right to ask him is there another God is God. My Bible tells me there is none other beside him. His thoughts are above our thoughts. His ways are above our ways. Nobody can stand toe to toe with God. One with God and you are in the majority. If it's just you by yourself, you've already won. Looking at this text, man. This is the greatest man that ever lived. Preach the word of God and then has the nerve while he's behind bars to ask Jesus, is there another? Jesus simply turns around, heals everybody right there. And then he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. (laughs) Pastor, what does that mean? Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus is trying to tell us that we have many expectations of him (laughs) you expect that the moment you get baptized and the moment you give your life to Christ you ought to have no more problems in your life what you think is yeah tell the truth is that when you come walking down the aisle with tears in your eyes and saying I surrender all you believe somewhere in your subconscious it's going to get better immediately that's not how God works sometimes God takes a detour into the valley of the shadow of death in order to help you be a better you Sometimes God takes you from the palace and puts you in the prison and sometimes in the pit to make you a better you. The problem is our frustration stem from the fact that we have many expectations of God, but God never told you he was going to do it in the first place. So Jesus told John, John, blessed is he who does not stumble on account of me. I never told you that your whole life was going to be rainbows and lollipops and sunshine and no clouds. I never told you that, John. All I said was preach the word. I didn't tell you what every day of your life is going to be like. I did not even tell you what the destination was going to be. Really, all I told you was follow me. me. And somewhere in John's mind, he thought to himself that because he preached the good news of Jesus Christ, that he would have a prominent place in society. John thought that Jesus was going to come to tear down the yoke of Roman oppression and rule and lift him up almost to a high standard as well. Even though he said, I must decrease, but he must increase, John in his mind thought that at the very least, I'll get blessed for serving God. You ever felt that way, brothers? I mean, let's just be honest today. You ever felt like you should be blessed for serving God? It's been so many days here at this church. I kid you not. Just because I am a pastor and I've given up my life to serve the Lord God, you ought to take care of my finances. All right. Now I've got no help. I know. I know. I... I know I don't got no, it's, it's all right, it's, it's all right. Um, uh, God, you 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 should at least uh, make me the head and not the tail. I mean, I've given my life to you. There's brothers and sisters outside the walls of these church, God, who care nothing about you. They don't hear their, your name on their lips. God, you, you should at least bless me. I am a man of God. I love you. I serve you. I quote your name backwards and forwards. I, I quote your word backwards and forwards. God, I pray to you. I, I sing songs and praises to you. At the very least, you should bless me. And the problem is our frustration stems from the fact that we expect God to do for us stuff that he never said he would do. I love the story of Peter. I'm almost done. Here we go. Here we go. Peter and and, and Jesus, you know, uh, Peter had betrayed Jesus so many times, three times. And, And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He said, Yes, I love you. Okay, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. Okay, feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, I love you. You know that I love you. Okay, then I want you to feed my sheep. And then Jesus begins to tell him, says, Peter, one day you're going to walk around and people are going to carry you. You're going to be in your old age. And then Peter, as he's listening to Jesus, turns around and looks at the other apostle, the beloved apostle John. And he says to Jesus, well, Jesus, if that's going to happen to me, what about him? And Jesus looks at him and says, that's none of your concern. You... Follow me. Don't ask me what you're gonna get as a result of following me. Don't ask me what somebody else's lot is going to be or how I'm gonna prosper somebody else. All you need to be concerned with is following me whatever the end is going to be and i believe jesus was saying that to john even while he was in prison he said he's the greatest man that ever lived but he also said blessed is anybody who is not uh who does not stumble on account of me and we all know the end of the story john the baptist was beheaded by herod antipas This is a preacher of righteousness. Jesus said he's the greatest man that ever lived, and he gets his head cut off? How is that possible? Jesus should have saved him. Jesus could have at least visited him. And here's the issue right now, brothers and sisters in our lives. Don't have such high expectations of God. You should be in this simply for the fact that you recognize that God is your creator. He has already saved you. And if he never does another thing in your life, he's still God all by himself. What I'm basically trying to say today is that I pray that you are not in the church for the blessing's sake. I pray that you are not here simply to get prospered. Oh, nobody want to say amen now. I pray that you are not only here so that God can drop dollar bills your way. I pray that you are here out of the sincerest part of your heart you believe that God is God and if he does not bless me I'll still serve him if he does not bring me out today or tomorrow or next year he's still God if God doesn't give me the money I want I'll still bless his name I hate my job but I love it anyhow because God gave it to me I hate sometimes when people get on my nerves, but I love you, God, and I'll never turn my back on you. I don't want you to go through an experience like John the Baptist. You're in the church. You're slapping high fives. You're praising God. But the moment you find yourself in prison, you give up on God. (laughs) You'd be surprised how many people leave the church somebody says the wrong word to them and they out deuces you never see them again and then they have the right to say well they're mean in that church Uh, brothers and sisters if you really love god nobody would really be able to turn you away you'd be surprised how many church folk they go through any type of situation any light situation any big situation and they're ready to throw up their hands and say I just don't feel God near me brothers and sisters when you cannot trace his hand you still got to trust him when you cannot behold him you must still believe in him God is still God whether your times in your own estimation are good or bad The word says all things work together for good for them who love the Lord, for them who are called according to his purpose. Play something for me. I'm done right here. I want to say this and I'm done. God put this on my heart this week. Because for a moment, just for a moment, I was kind of upset. My like, God, I thought at least I'd be able to finish this year. I'd be able to spend some more time with my friends and the people that I love. Be able to learn more from my mentor here. God, so much is happening now. How can you, how can you direct me in another direction? How can you cause me to leave now? God told me I was with you. While you were here, and I'll be with you when you go. God told I kid you not, you will be blessed in the field, and you will be blessed in the city. Huh. I will secure you unto myself, my presence. We'll go with you. Wherever you are. Whatever you go through. I will stand by your side. I will hold you up. They that wait upon the Lord. They shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint even while I was doubting getting mad with God and getting upset (laughs) God told me don't you ever fix your face don't you ever get bold enough to ask me if I'm still God I can pull out a list of times when you should have died I can pull out a calendar of dates when the devil asked me to take you out you don't even deserve to be here let alone have a mic in your hand Mm. (laughs) God said I love you boy (laughs) while I thought I was in prison (laughs) I was in the presence of God (laughs) Your heads are bowed. Your eyes are closed today. Uh, I can't do much more than this, brothers and sisters. Let me just ask one appeal today on my last Sabbath year. If your desire is to serve God come hell or high water, I want you to stand to your feet right now. Your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed.